0: welcome to Extra Point, a podcast from USA Today Sports where we explore issues beyond the field of play. I'm Rachel Axon, your host for this episode, and today we will be discussing an interesting story from the O.J. Simpson civil case. I'm joined by Eric Brady, my USA Today Sports colleague, who reported the story of an unlikely twist in that case that contributed to the verdict against Simpson. Thanks so much for joining us, Eric.
1: Thanks for having me, Rachel.
0: I can't believe anyone over the age of about 20 wouldn't know this, but by way of background, O.J. Simpson was acquitted in 1995 for the June 1994 murders of his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and her friend, Ron Goldman. A civil jury did find him liable for wrongful death in 1997 and awarded Brown Simpson and Goldman's families $33.5 million in damages. Uh, we'll have an interview Eric did with John Q. Kelly, the attorney for the estate of Nicole Brown Simpson, a little later in the show. But I want to get to some background on, on your story. Uh, as you wrote, photographs of Simpson and the infamous Bruno Mali shoes proved to be critical evidence in that civil trial. Could you explain the significance of those shoes, the photographs, and and how uh, the, the attorneys even came to find those?
1: Yeah, so... Uh, it- In the criminal case, it was known that there were Bruno Mali shoes uh, and there were footprints, bloody footprints, all over the scene of the crime. They also knew that there had only been 299 of those sold in size 12 in the United States, but they were never able to find the shoes uh, themselves, and so that didn't become critical evidence in the criminal trial. In the civil trial, they were able to depose Simpson and he denied ever owning, in his infamous phrase, those ugly-ass shoes. (laughs) And uh, uh, they had one picture that was introduced uh, in evidence at the trial, taken by a freelance photographer at the time named Harry Skull Jr., and it showed Simpson walking in the end zone before a Miami Dolphins-Buffalo Bills game in Rich Stadium in uh, 1993. And you could see His right foot in the air, and you could see the distinctive waffle pattern underneath, these were Bruno Mali's shoes. However, in the civil case, Simpson's attorneys argued, since there was only one photo, that it could have been doctored, uh, that it could have been faked in some way. So now it's the uh, Christmas break of the civil trial, and they have two and a half weeks off, and John Q. Kelly, who's the attorney for the estate of Nicole Brown Simpson, goes back home uh, from Santa Monica back to the East Coast in the New York City area, gets a tip from Harry Skull's attorney that there are more photos up in Buffalo uh, of Simpson in the Bruno Molly shoes.
0: One of the things that that your story shows is, you know, the photographer who took them and and he was working for a Bills Booster organization at the time uh, was a high school kid. Uh, And I think you point out in the story uh, that the photos that that he would typically be taking normally wouldn't even include shoes. So could you give us a little bit more background of what those photos were and how kind of a fortuitous that
1: was. uh, E.J. Flammer is uh, the name of the uh, photographer, and he's sort of the center of our story because uh, he's speaking uh, for the first time, giving a (laughs) full version of his story. So he began uh, shooting yearbook photos when he was in high school. By the time he takes these pictures for the Booster Club, he's a senior uh, at Canisius College in Buffalo, and his father is president of the Booster Club, Mm -hmm. which is how he happens to come and take them. Now, these are what you call grip and grin shots. There are 30 pictures of OJ Simpson posing with members of an organizing committee uh, for a banquet that's going to be held in a couple of months. And uh, normally, grip and grin shots are uh, waist up. And EJ doesn't remember why every one of these, all 30 of them, are head to toe and they are crisp colored negatives and although they don't show the underside of the shoe with the waffle pattern, uh, the experts were able to see the distinctive uh, uh, styling and, and the stitching and they were Bruno Molly shoes.
0: Now, you said that the the defense in the civil trial had tried to discredit the Harry Skull photo, the one that had been in the National Enquirer. Why, aside from just the number of these, were they less able to do that in the instance of E.J. Flammer's photos?
1: Yeah, so there was a couple things. In the case of Harry Skull, by circumstance, it happened to be the very first Picture he had taken in his role so that it didn't have a number on it. And Mm -hmm. uh, they thought that was uh, uh, something that showed it could have been faked. In this case, you had 30 of them. And crucially, one of them had been printed in Buffalo Bills Report, which was an official newspaper of the team Mm -hmm. at that time. And so not only did you have not one photo, but 30, but you had one that had been printed in November of 93, seven months before the murder, uh, mm-hmm. which, which gave you the timeline, and there's no faking that. There, there they are in the team's own newspaper.
0: Exactly. Well, there's plenty of detail. I know you talked with John Q. Kelly about the road that led him to those, so let's go now to that conversation and hear you know, the path that brought this critical evidence into play in the civil trial.
1: We're going to bring in John Q. Kelly, who represented the estate of Nicole Brown Simpson. John, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, sure. Good to talk to you, Eric.
1: Now, first of all, could you tell us a little bit about how you came to find out about these 30 new photos after uh, the Harry Skull photo had already been introduced at trial, and how you happened to go to Buffalo around Christmas in 1996?
2: Uh, right after Christmas in 96 I'd gotten a call from Mike O'Connor, who was Harry Skull's at- Attorney, and he related to me that that Harry had seen additional photos taken of Simpson on the same day his one photo of Simpson had been taken in the Bruno Mali shoes that had been sold to the National Enquirer. He also indicated that the pictures or photos Fleischman had did not show Simpson in the shoes but clearly indicated that one or more photographers, in addition to Skull, had been taking photos there that same day. So if we looked, we might find photos of Simpson in the shoes, which was a pretty significant lead at that time. So based on that, a couple days later, I flew up to Buffalo. Michael Kenner picked me up at the airport. We went directly to the home of Jerry Fleischman, who had been a former Booster Club president of the Bills, and sure enough, down in his basement office, he had photos of Simpson that were taken the same day as the Harry Skull photo, but did not show Simpson in the shoes. Uh, Fleischman directed me to Benny Lynch, who was the director of public relations with the Bills, uh, stating that Lynch may be able to direct me to what other photographers, photographers had been there that day, the same day that the Skull photo was taken. So. We then headed up to the, the Bill's practice facility, uh, went into Denny Lynch's office. He was expecting us because he'd gotten a call from Fleischman, and he pulled out a banker's box of photographs included a, a number of black-and-white photos of Simpson that had been taken the same day as the skull photo, but it was hard to make out what shoes Simpson had. Uh, Lynch had one 5 by 7 color photograph, uh, we could make out the shoes, and uh, he indicated that uh, this kid E.J. Flammer had taken that photo and many others that day, and that uh, if anybody would have photographs of Simpson in the Bruno Mali shoes from that day, would be E.J. Flammer. So, we then left the Bill's practice facility, drove to uh, E.J. Flammer's parents' house, and uh, E.J. wasn't there. Uh, E.J.'s dad was sort of stuck in the middle trying to negotiate a discussion between myself and E.J., who at that time then knew he had photographs of Simpson in the shoes and that they were of considerable value. So uh, finally E.J. took my call from his parents' house, asked me to meet him at his agent's house, Rob McAvoy's house. We talked there a little bit, and then... We all headed back to E.J.'s parents' house again, where E.J. had a, a photography studio in the basement. We went down to the, the basement. E.J., sure enough, had, a I think it was about 30 negatives of Simpson that had been taken that same fall day in 1993, where you could clearly see in color that Simpson was wearing those Bruno Malley shoes and could actually see the pattern of the uh, bottom of the sole on the shoes even, because he'd been captured walking across the field. Um, Egypt developed, EJ developed some of them right in front of me. I sort of saw them come to life before my eyes down in that basement, and uh, there's no question then that we had about 30 photographs of Simpson taken six months before the murders or more wearing the exact on Molly shoes, had left the footprints all over the murder scene in, in June of 1994. So that's where the, the evidence came to life, how it came to life, and it was probably the single most pristine, authentic, compelling piece of evidence that was produced in the, the Simpson case.
1: So when you came back from the Christmas break and E.J. was one of the first witnesses. uh, What impact did he have on the trial as a witness?
2: Well, even before E.J. testified, the the witness who was still on the stand from before Christmas break was Simpson's photography expert who was claiming the skull photograph was a, a fake and had been doctored. And the first thing we did with him when we returned that first day was mark all the flamer photographs. Uh, as exhibits, not into evidence yet, just simply as exhibits and had his expert look at them and, you know, had to declare that they were all probably fakes, too. These 30 more photographs had just been developed and taken well before the murders. and It was just it was just so implausible and, you know, embarrassing and like a cringe moment for the defense and so compelling for, you know. That our case said it was just it, that the trial almost ended right there in terms of, you know, meeting our burden and, and proving Simpson committed these these murders.
1: Do you find it at all surprising that this type of evidence wasn't found during the criminal case?
2: Uh, very surprising. I mean, it's, you know, they knew where the, the Harry skull photograph had come from and that the simple Inquiry would have been, you know, are there any more? When were they taken? Who else would have been there? Were there any others taken? They were the first follow-up questions I had. And with Michael Kenner Skull's attorney, and, you know, Harry Skull was smart enough to sort of suggest that also, that, you know, there had to be other photos also. And, you know, with uh, a little bit of pounding the pavement and digging and, and, you know, perseverance and just one day, we were able to, you know, follow leads from about six different people and locations to the the mother load, the photographs themselves. So it it wasn't complicated. It wasn't, you know, that challenging or, you know, uh, secretive or anything. It was just sort of, you know, footwork and, you know, pushing a little bit. And, yeah, you know, with all the resources and everything in the criminal case, it's phenomenal that they weren't located.
1: (laughs) Although, if I remember correctly, Harry Skull's photo didn't show up until after the criminal case was over in the National Enquirer.
2: Uh, I'm trying to remember now if that was the case. I I know they had it during the criminal case. The question is whether they used it as evidence or not. You know, they had the the alleged photographs, the pictures of Simpson and the gloves and everything else. But uh, in terms of the, the civil case, Nonetheless, you know we were relying on the one hairy skull photo, and then to come up with these was just, uh, you know, just a just incredible streak of luck.
1: <laughs> so, w- one last thing, John. Uh, I-, I understand this kind of thing is called a Perry Mason moment, where something right. happens mid-trial, um, and it, we see it on TV all the time, but happens very rarely in real life uh has anything like this happened in a trial that you were involved in before this time this one
2: uh never anything close to that and what made it so remarkably enjoyable too was the 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 witness and the evidence EJ was just this fresh-faced kid you know whose integrity could not be challenged you know his story was straightforward his his purposes and you know, motives and everything for testifying were, you know, clean and pure and it was just it was just terrific. The jury thoroughly enjoyed him when he was on the stand testifying and, you know, there was no question of any aspect of, of why he took them or why he was producing them now. You know, with the other evidence in the case, in the criminal case and the civil case, to some extent, you had, you know, the blood evidence, you had the gloves, you had the knit cat, but they were all going to always be under that sort of clouded cocktail that Johnny Cochran and company had mixed up, you know, consisting of rogue cops, planted evidence and contamination. But these were photos that had been taken a good, I think was eight months before the murder, and... What was so compelling about these photographs with Simpson in the shoes is that it was it was visual evidence too. Meaning that once you saw Simpson in those shoes, and you had the bloody shoe prints, you know, going from Nicole's pool of blood through the struggle with Ron and the the sheets of paper it was left on in the garden, all the way up the back gate, you could just clearly visualize Simpson's movements and, you know, murderous methods, and just sort of his steps with him from, you know, slashing Nicole's throat to, you know, butchering Ron to walking back through the back sidewalk and out the back gate and planting those shoes on the floor of the, the Bronco. So it was just, you know, he was there that night, no question, once those, you know, photographs came up and came into evidence.
1: John, thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Okay. It's been terrific. Thanks for the call, guys. Thanks.
0: That was certainly an interesting conversation. We appreciate John joining us. Uh, Eric, what was your biggest takeaway from, from what he said there?
1: You know, he talked about the impact that that had on the jury and also, uh, uh, what a good witness EJ was. You know, he, he told mm-hmm. us in, a, in during the interview before this conversation that he was a, a baby-faced kid with no dog in the fight. And mm-hmm. so uh, he just made a perfect witness. And, and the uh, Robert Baker, uh, uh, Simpson's attorney, uh, said to him very sarcastically uh, about the fact he had just found these pictures years later after taking them. So it's like finding a Rembrandt in the attic. and and, uh and ej said you could liken it to that so uh uh he was uh, a very good witness and and as uh, john q kelly puts it he puts those shoes on oj
0: and as as you write in the story you know and and you mentioned uh, previously EJ Flammers father was in the booster organization he had grown up uh as a Bills fan and uh probably doesn't remember too much of OJ Simpson's playing days but certainly would not have been predisposed to be against someone who was really a legend in Buffalo
1: well that's right and, and he was a toddler when he set that record but he does remember him Playing because okay. uh, as he was a, a, a little kid, uh, Simpson ended up playing in Buffalo through 77, I want to say. And uh, so, yeah, by then he was like five years old and he remembered him. And he talked about being on the stand, giving testimony, and O.J. Simpson looking at him from about 20 feet away and just glaring at him. And, and what a yeah. surreal feeling that was. Like, like he was trying to look right straight through me is what E.J. said.
0: Hmm. What did this in in uh, if our listeners will forgive this indulgence a little bit? But Eric and I are both from the Buffalo area. Uh, probably both grew up fans of the Bills, and, and my youth was uh, after O.J. Simpson played, but the the glory years of the early '90s, uh, which you tie into the story about kind of the the end of that era. To to see this kind of hero uh you know in the civil trial at least found liable for this and certainly i think people believe that the criminal trial might have gone differently w- what did it mean uh when this was happening
1: well rachel it's a very charitable way of saying how old i am but <laughs> but i was in high school when <laughs> the bills drafted that. simpson i was in college when he set those records and then i did cover him for the buffalo courier express and and he was the most accessible superstar of that era And then by the time I came USA Today, you could always get him on the phone. And sports writers, we don't ask for much. If you return our phone calls, we'll think you're the greatest guy in the world. So uh, people all over the country uh, thought of Simpson as this uh, affable guy on TV, uh, actors in movies. And so uh, it was such a a shock to the entire country when uh, uh, the uh, murders occurred and then when the Bronco chase occurred. Um, mm-hmm. and, but probably most of all uh, in Buffalo, where uh, where we're from, Rachel.
0: Yeah, you, you you mentioned the the criminal trial, and I, I think that John touched on this a little bit. But um, it, I'm wondering what impact, if any. Uh, these photos could have had, or, or or what efforts, if any, were taken to find these type of photos. Uh, certainly, in the criminal trial, O.J. Simpson was not deposed and did not testify, so there wasn't kind of that incriminating catching in a lie. But um, certainly would have been corroborating evidence. So, what what are your thoughts, or what are you know your what has your reporting yielded about whether this would have been a, a factor, and how much even anyone sought this type of Uh, documentation.
1: Yeah, those are both interesting questions. So uh, first of all, Kelly thinks it wouldn't have made a difference that the prosecution had so much evidence in the criminal trial that uh, a jury might well have found him guilty. But he he said that uh, uh, the uh, defense uh, put the LAPD on trial and their fraught racial history on trial and 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 that even if they'd had these pictures, maybe it wouldn't have made any difference. Um, uh, As to whether they should have been found then, uh, that's a good question. And uh, Kelly thinks that they should have been found then. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, he didn't find them until it was midway through his trial uh, with a tip uh, uh, either. But uh, uh, it it was uh, uh, the other very interesting thing about this is that Denny Lynch was the— a member of the bill's front office who uh, when Kelly arrived at the bill's practice facility uh, uh, he was the one who showed him the uh, Buffalo bills report with mm-hmm. Simpson in it. And uh, he said at the time uh, Denny Lynch said something to the effect it was a surprise to him that it had taken someone from the case that long to uh, get there to take a look, which begs the question, well, why didn't uh, Denny, Denny come forward right. at some time? What he said was Ralph Wilson, the owner of the Buffalo Bills, had told his employees uh, to cooperate fully if asked, but not to volunteer any comment and to stay entirely neutral.
0: Wow. Uh, this I, I want to maybe zoom out a little bit here. This really is a cultural touchdown moment. I remember a couple years ago spending a few days in Miami reporting a story trying to track down that white Ford Bronco that Al Cowlings had driven in that low-speed chase. You know, FX has produced a miniseries this year, The People vs. OJ Simpson, and ESPN is debuting, I think it's almost eight hours long, a documentary about Simpson uh, next month. Titled uh, "O.J. Made in America," why do you think this case has had such a resonance? You know, here we are twenty years later. Uh, you know, talking about it again.
1: I think it because it crosses every fault line we have in our culture. Uh, 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 all the things that that uh, we think about now as current happened in that case, and uh, uh, people who are too young to remember the case watched the FX series. Mm-hmm. And so we have the interest of the people who lived through it, and but also the people who didn't. And uh, it's remarkable to me uh, how much interest there is. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to the uh, uh made in america uh oj made in america the documentary that will begin on june 11th on abc and then move to espn Uh, it's uh their first uh, multi-episode 30 for 30.
0: well it will certainly be interesting (laughs) in hours it will keep us busy i'm wondering if you can put into context you know, I think, uh, and maybe this is a little inside baseball on sports media, but uh, over the evolution over the past several decades, you've seen how uh, the teams and athletes that we cover, uh, you know, things like uh, affairs or mistreatment or arrests, you know, kind of would have been looked at the other way, you know, the, the, the press would have looked the other way, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, certainly, that's not the case. And I'm wondering where on that spectrum you see this trial and and what's happened with OJ Simpson falling as we've gotten more toward uh you know covering those those issues fully
1: well uh certainly the murder would it would have been something that would would have been covered no right. matter what but right. i think we can look back now and this documentary as i understand it will will show this that uh it was clear that there were some domestic abuse happening in that relationship and Mm. and whether it was media or whether it was police or whether it was the society at large uh really let nicole brown simpson down in in uh, on that uh friends uh it's it's very clear that there was a, a a fraught relationship there and and uh it uh sadly uh was missed
0: Well, excellent. I really appreciate your time today, Eric, and this is a a fascinating story. I can't recommend strongly enough that you guys go read it.
1: Rachel, thanks so much.
0: That's it for this episode of Extra Point. We've got much more to come, so we hope you'll tune in, subscribe, and rate us. Thanks for listening.